All of us have been there. Damn, something hits you that you never expected it knocks you back down. All of us have been there. I feel like that almost every Sunday. I don't know about you. Maybe Monday is your day. Sunday is my day. It seems like Sunday, I, I mean, I pray on Saturday night, and I pray most of the day Saturday about today and for each one of you, and, and it never fails that when I get up on Sunday morning, I can guarantee that something is going to happen that's going to just come against me. I mean, if it's not me taking the dogs out and the dog runs off, and I'm in a suit going through the woods chasing dogs, getting ready to come to church, or, or I go out. I mean, these will all happen. I go out, and I'm getting in my car, and i got a flat tire on Sunday morning in the snow, and I've got to air up the tire. I can't even get uh, here because one time my bridge flooded over, and I had to somebody come and get me. And then I come to church, and it seems like I'm trying to pray. Lord, I want to I do what's right, and I want to pray. And then one thing after another, this morning, I'm, I'm praying through this message, which is a perfect example, and, and uh, I'm praying, and I reach down, I drop my pen, I reach down to drop my pen, and my, my shirt gets hung on my, my uh, desk, and it just begins to rip all the way down. And I thought, Lord, why? Why do these things happen? Have you ever been there where you just sat after all these things go wrong, after everything just piles up again, and you go, God, why? It's not wrong to question God. People say, that's lack of faith. No, it's not. God's not going to give you answers unless you ask. People say, God, it seems like everything is going wrong. It seems like everything is going against me. And sometimes we get to the point where we might even say, God, where are you? I mean, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do the things that you want. And, all, and I just, I can't feel you and I can't sense you and I don't see your hand. And I don't even know if you're paying attention, God. God, where are you? If there was ever a poster child for those feelings, it's our man Joseph, the main character of the story in this series that we've been following along. If there was ever somebody that we could say, it just piles up against him and piles up against him and piles up against him, and he can have a right to say, God, why? I mean, think about all the things that have happened to get to the point where we are in our story. I mean, Joseph is, is the favorite child in a hugely dysfunctional family. And when he's 17 years old, God gives him a dream, a dream for his life, a dream that tells him that he is going to be more than he ever imagined he could be and that something great is going to happen to his life. And he shares that dream with his family. And what do they do? They make fun of him. They reject him. They put him down. Matter of fact, his brothers are so mad that they begin to scheme against him. And the next time they find him and he's out in a field, they capture him and they beat him and they throw him into a well. Their intention is to kill him, but one of the older brothers talks them out of killing him. So instead of killing their little brother, they decide to sell him into slavery to some passing merchants. And then they go back and tell their dad that his favorite son is dead. Can you imagine how cruel that is? Imagine growing up in a home where your older brothers are willing to go and tell your dad that their dad hurt him like that. Think of that pain. And so here's a 17-year-old boy that he's done nothing wrong except try to be faithful to God, and he is sold into slavery. He has moved to a far country from his land that he knows, from all the people that he knows. He's taken, he's moved to Egypt, and he's sold into slavery. And he's sold into the house of one of Pharaoh's leaders, a man by the name of Potiphar. And that's his title, not really his name, but they called him Potiphar. But in the midst of all that struggle, in the midst of that pain, God begins to bless him. We learned last week. He gets put in charge. Potiphar recognizes that there's something special about Joseph, and he puts him in charge of his household. He puts him in charge of everything that he has. You see, things are looking up. 
Things seem like they're turning around. Yes, he's in slavery. Yes, things, you know, he's not with his family. He's not with his friends. But things are turning around. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of that, he meets Mrs. Potiphar. And I used the term last week, cougar, to describe her. And, uh, after I got through, I thought, some people may not know what cougar is. Um, that's just an older woman that is attracted to younger men. And if there was ever a picture of a cougar, it's Potiphar's wife. She comes at him with all of her clothes off and begins to tell him, listen, no one's around. You're a handsome, muscular young man. You and me, let's go. That's what she said. Look it up. Let's go. Joseph ran away from it. He denied it. He, he, he resisted the temptation. Finally, he, he stayed away from her to the point that he was coming into work and he, he would hide from her and he was coming in and she was hiding from him and she jumps out. She doesn't have any clothes on and she grabs his clothes and says, I'm tired of you running away. Now is the time. And Joseph recognized that the only chance he had to get away was to run. So he runs out the door, no clothes. She has his clothes in his hand. And Potiphar's wife, being jealous and angry that somebody has resisted her, began to cry rape. Began to tell all the servants, look, this guy tried to take advantage of him. And Joseph, who everything seemed to be turning for the good, all of a sudden finds himself back in a mess. And that's where our story picks up this morning. I want you to listen along. Genesis chapter 39. Verse 19, it says, When the master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in eyes of the prison warden. Now understand, when we say prison, I know some of us think, you know, club fed and bars and three square meals a day and exercise. This is Egypt. In B.C., nasty, he's in there with the worst of the worst of the worst. He's probably 20 years old at this time, and he is thrown into prison in just a mess. Imagine what's going through his mind. He's not thrown into prison because he did anything wrong. He's thrown into prison because he did something right. He's not thrown because he's a criminal. He's thrown because he's got character. And here he is thrown into prison, and yet he doesn't give up on God, and God doesn't give up on him. He said, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success, whatever he did. Now, when you look at all that has happened to Joseph, He's alone. He's in prison. He's been abandoned. Joseph never stops having faith in God. Joseph never stops serving God. And the question for you and I this morning is how does he do it? Abandoned, thrown into a pit, beaten by his brother, sold into slavery. When things look like they're going good, all of a sudden it's bad. And, and Joseph's still in prison praising God and God with him. How does it happen? How does he do that? Because you see, for some of us, we couldn't say we would have the same response. See, Joseph, even though he doesn't understand what's going on, and he can't understand, and all of us have been there, we say, God, I don't know why this is happening. He never doubts the faithfulness of God. So you need to remember, listen to me, you need to remember that God is not so much interested in your circumstances as much as he's interested in how you react and respond to those circumstances. 
Because you see, Joseph is looking at prison. God is thinking about the palace. Because God is taking what Joseph is going through and making him into the image that God needs to be a leader. For Joseph to get to the palace, for Joseph to fulfill his dream, God knows it has to start in a prison. And for most of us, when we find ourselves in prison, whether it's a prison of our own making, it's a prison of emotions, it's a prison of, of the things that we've piled up around our lives, most of us spend so much time asking why we never see what God is doing in the midst. So for us today, the question is, how did he stay faithful? How did he overcome? Because if you and I could begin to learn some of those lessons, it would change your Christian walk. If you and I can learn how we can trust God regardless of their circumstances, how we can look for God's faithfulness in the midst of our mess. See, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know if you feel alone or abandoned this morning. I don't know this morning if maybe you feel like life keeps piling on. Maybe somehow you're trapped by your circumstances and you can't see any way out. Whatever the circumstance you're facing this morning, I want you to know there is an answer for you. And it's the same answer that Joseph found. Because you see, Joseph didn't quit on his dream because he didn't quit on God. Because he recognized that God didn't quit on him. So this morning, I'm going to give you a couple of simple promises that you and I can hang on to. To overcome no matter what you're facing. To trust God in the midst of any circumstance, any problem, in any situation. But before we look at how Joseph responded, I thought it'd be fun to think about how he could have responded. To think about how most of us respond. To think about how most of us make wrong choices before we look at what Joseph made was right. Because you see, first of all, Joseph probably could have responded with anger and bitterness when he got thrown into prison. I mean, right, if there was ever someone that had a right to be angry, don't you think it was Joseph? I mean, doesn't he have a right? I mean, think of all the stuff that's happened to him. None of it is own making. I mean, some of us, we get angry because we have to deal with the consequences of our own action. I mean, Joseph, these aren't the consequences of his actions. These are the consequences of other people's actions. And he is having to give an account. He could have been angry. I mean, would it surprise anybody to meet Joseph as a 50 or 60-year-old and find a bitter, angry old man. Would that be a surprise? No. Think that all that he's faced. But yet, Joseph did not allow his anger or his bitterness to rule him. See, most of us can never get to the point of seeing what God is trying to do in our life because we're too angry and bitter over what's happening and why it's happening. I just want to let you know this morning that anger and bitterness is always a path away from God. And it's always a path away from your dream. You'll never achieve what God's calling you to if you allow bitterness to take root in your heart this morning. If anybody had an opportunity to get angry and bitter, it was probably Joseph. Abandoned, enslaved, hated, now he's in prison, lied about, his reputation is a mess. But he didn't allow anger and bitterness to get to. The second way Joseph probably could have responded is he could have tried to take matters into his own hands. He probably could have tried to manipulate the situation, right? I mean, he could have gone to prison. He could have started talking about Mrs. Potiphar. Started couldn't tell him about her reputation. Started telling about all the bad things that she did. I mean, his reputation was wrong. So he probably could have all of a sudden started wanting everyone to hear his side. Isn't that what we do when we've been wronged? 
want to make sure everybody knows we're in the right here. Got to justify our actions. Got to, you know, my name's been hurt, so I'm going to try to stand up and make sure my name is withheld. God never tells us to try to justify our name, only His name. Because, you see, once we start taking matters into our own hands, and let's be honest, what happens? Usually we make a bigger mess of it than would have happened on its own. See, Joseph could have gone in there and said, listen, she's a liar and, and, and she has a bad reputation and it's her fault and it's her reason that she did this. He could have tried to manipulate and said, listen, I want to see the warden. He needs to know my story. Joseph didn't do any of that. Why? Because he trusted God. He decided he was going to let God take care of it instead of him taking care of it. See, listen to me. Some of you, you're in a circumstances and a situation. I'm not telling you just to sit back. Because Joseph didn't sit back. He kept serving. All of a sudden, he made friends in prison, started putting charge. But some of you are so worried about people knowing that you are right when you've been wronged that you never get to the point that God can start using you again. Because that attitude will always turn to bitterness and anger. Listen, I understand what it's like. I know what it's like to have your reputation dragged through the mud. I know what it's like to want to stand up and shout from the rooftops, I've been wronged and I didn't do anything to deserve this. But that's not our place. I always find it amusing that we're, we're more than willing to get excited, more than willing to, to get uh, all angry and righteous indignation over our namesake over God, than God's namesake. See, Joseph could have responded that way. Could have started trusting in his own ability, his own willingness to handle it. See, the problem is we don't think God's going to take care of it in the way we want it taken care of. So we take it into our own hands. Joseph could have taken it into his own hands, but he didn't. Joseph decided that he was going to trust God. And the third response, which is probably the most of our responses, he could have just given up. He could have just walked away. I mean, listen, he's been faithful to God over and over and over again. And what does he have to show for it? Right? I mean, he's done all the right things, and he's been gone from a well to imprisoned to slavery to lied about to his reputation. Man, just walk away. Just give up. I wonder how many of us have been pushed away, blamed God, bailed out, quit, because things didn't go the way we wanted it. Things didn't go the way we expected. Things didn't turn out like we had planned. Instead of trusting God, we decide, listen, I'll just quit. I'm just going to move. I'm just going to give up on this. I'm just going to walk away from this friendship. I'm just going to walk away from this marriage. I'm just going to walk away from this church. Because things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to turn out. I wonder how many Christians are just around the corner from their dream and from God's blessings, and they quit. See, Joseph could have given up. He could have gone in prison and just said, that's it, I'm done. Could have thrown in the towel. He could have pulled the it's not fair card, right? That's huge today. We love that fairness doctrine, don't we? Not fair. Man, I get sick of hearing people talk about how it's not fair. That, that phrase is not allowed in my house. Because my kids thought that was the get out of jail card all the time. It's not fair. And I would shout from the rooftops, who told you that life is fair? Let me share something with you, Christian. The Bible doesn't teach that the God of the Bible is fair. He is good and he is just. But praise the Lord that he is not fair. Because if he was fair, you and I would be headed to hell. Because fair, hell is what we deserve. But he is gracious 
and he is righteous, and he is just. How dare us, the creation, look at the creator and say, this isn't fair. It's not fair what's happening to me. See, God was not interested in fair. He was interested in holy and righteous. C.S. Lewis once said, a faith that has not been tested is not a faith that's worth having. He said, godly character seldom grows in an atmosphere of prosperity and privilege. You see, the character that God wants in you develops in the dark rooms of struggle, loneliness, and pain. You see, from our perspective, from the worldly perspective, we might have looked at Joseph's life and said, that's not fair. And I'm sure some of us look at our lives and say, it's not fair. God, it's not fair. I, I do everything that you ask me to do. I don't understand. It's not fair. I come to church and I pray and, and, and I've, I've stood up for righteousness and I've stood up for the good things and bad things are still happening to me. And these people that aren't living for you, they, they're, doing, they're doing great, it looks like. See, but we only see things with our eyes. God sees something deeper. So how in the world did God keep blessing Joseph? How in the world did he stay faithful in the midst of all of these circumstances? Let me suggest to you he did three things. The first one, and probably the most important, is he never forgot the promises of God. He remembered God's promises. He knew that no matter what happened, God was going to keep his word. Let me tell you something. The thing that will get you through the most difficult of circumstances is to cling to the promises of God. You understand this book is filled with promises? Just a promise I gave you from Isaiah earlier. That no matter what you face, the waves in the water will not overwhelm you. The fire will not burn you. That's a promise you can cling to. You see, he knew that God gave him this dream. And if God gave him a dream, that God was going to be faithful to fulfill his promises to Joseph. Let me just share this with you. God will always be faithful to the promises he puts in your life. It may not look like what you want. It may not be on your timetable. But his promises are always true. See, instead of dwelling on his problems, Joseph dwelt on the promises. When dark times come, when difficulties come, when things go wrong, when circumstances overwhelm us, those are the times that we stand on God's promises. Didn't we just sing it? Standing on the promises, I cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I will prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Is that just a song to you? Why not claim that this morning to the situation and the circumstances that you're facing? When the world throws everything at me, when, when the devil whispers in my ear that my life is a failure and my marriage is on the rocks and my kids are rebellious and nothing is turning out the way I want. Listen, my future is always as secure as the promises of God. No matter what's happening around me, I can always trust that God's promises will fulfill my life. See, the Bible gives us more promises than you and I know what we can do with. He trusted on the promises of God. Let me just tell you this morning, there is a promise in this book that will get you through what you're doing right now. There's a promise in this book that will help you endure the circumstances you're facing. The second thing he did, not only did he trust God's promises, but he relied on God's providence. What does that mean? That means he recognized that God is always faithful. God is in control. 
God will always make a way. Even though he was struggling, even though he didn't know which way he was going, he knew that God was in control. See, Joseph knew that when he walked up in prison, God wasn't surprised. God didn't have to scramble and say, oh no, all of my plans for Joseph are a mess. What am I going to do? Listen to me. Whatever you're going through right now, God knows. He knew before you ever stepped into it. He has a plan. He has a promise. You trust You see, that's the key. Joseph trusted. So we need to be real careful to assume just because some people are going through tough times that somehow they're being punished for bad things. They may be going through tough times because they've done some good things. That's what Joseph's life was. That's what Job, you remember Job's story? Job didn't do anything wrong. He lost his kids, his wife, his farm, everything that he owned. His friends came by and said, listen, God must be punishing you. Job said, I didn't do anything. See, you and I need to hang on to the promise that God will always be faithful. I'm sure he didn't understand. I'm sure he was confused. There are times in our life when it doesn't make sense. But let me tell you something. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense because it always makes sense to God because God sees what you can't. See, you see today, you see the pain that you're going through. You see the walls that you're surrounding. You see the overwhelming uh, difficulties and, and struggle and suffering. God sees tomorrow. See, Joseph saw prison, and he literally saw prison, the walls. God was looking towards the palace. God knew where he was taking him. The question is, do you trust God's hand to get you where he's calling you to? See, you may not see how you can get there today. Trust me, there are lots of times in my life that I look back and people say, how in the world did you get from there to there to there? I I couldn't tell you because it wasn't part of my plan, but it was part of his plan. And even the times that were difficult, even the times that were through fire and through water that was overwhelming me, God stayed faithful. He is always faithful to his promises and he is always on his throne. While some things may be hidden from us, God sees them. Let me give you a couple of promises from the Word of God to help you understand His faithfulness. One everyone knows, Romans 8, 28, For we know that in all things God works together for good to them who love Him. See, God is taking, that's how Joseph could say in Genesis chapter 50, what the world meant for evil, God meant for good. Because Joseph, looking back at his life, recognized that the prison and the temptations in Potiphar's house, and the well, and the beating he took from his brothers. I mean, he was 17 when he left home in Canaan. He's not 30 until he gets into the... He's 30 when he becomes part of Pharaoh's court. So for 13 years, he endured. 13 years. Prison, pain, slavery. But yet he could look back on his life and say, God had a plan all along. You see, the gift of faith is to not have to wait until you get to the end of your life and look back. The gift of faith is to stand in the midst of where you are and trust that God has a plan in front of you. Do you trust? You see, you're here this morning if you're a Christian and you trust Him with your eternity. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you believe that you've been forgiven and you've been set free and your future is secure and that one day when you die that you will go with Christ for eternity. You trust Him with eternity, but you don't trust Him with tomorrow. 
Don't trust him with next week. Don't trust him with where you are right now. See, Joseph put his trust in God. Psalmist writes, Psalm 138, For the Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. God will always finish what he started in me. He's not giving up on you. You stop giving up on him. Jesus says in John 16, 33, For I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will face trouble. Take heart. I will overcome the world. See, what Jesus is saying is faith doesn't eliminate pain. Faith doesn't eliminate suffering. Faith doesn't get rid of the struggles of life. What it does is it gives us a construct to be able to understand it. It gives us a person to be able to trust in in the midst of it. Jesus said, I've overcome. And when you put your faith in me, you will overcome as well. See, Joseph remembered the promises. He relied that God was on his throne and he was faithful. And the last one, probably the one that's gotten me through more difficulties than any of these other ones, is that Joseph rested in God's presence. Over and over and over again, no matter what Joseph was going through, did you notice the first thing that it said about him? Joseph was in prison. God was with him. Joseph was sold into slavery. God was with him. Joseph was, was in Potiphar's house. But God was with him. See, the question today I get from everybody is, where is God when tough times come? Where is God when, when difficulties strike? Joseph will tell you he is right there. Because you see, he promised, and we read it last week, in Deuteronomy, that I am your God and you are my people, and that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You see, Joseph recognized that no matter where he was, he was not alone. And I want you to listen to me this morning. You are not alone. When you hurt, God hurts. When you think no one is listening, God is listening. When you struggle or in pain and you reach up to wipe that tear from your face, you need to understand that there is a nail-pierced hand in heaven wiping a tear from his own say where was God why don't you ask Noah while he was on the ark because Noah knew ask Shadrach Meshach and Abednego as they were marching that fiery furnace where is your God they knew ask Daniel when he was cast into the lion's den ask Moses when he was in the wilderness ask the disciples when they were on the sea of Galilee and that boat started rocking where is God He's right there in the midst of it all. Right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstance, God is with you. You are not alone. You see, you need to understand that doing the right thing can be lonely. It can be. People will turn their back on you. They will laugh at you. They will mock you. You stand up for the things of God in our culture today, and it can be a lonely path. But as lonely as it gets, the Word of God promises you're never alone. And that promise is enough to get us through everything. Because the Word of God says, if God be for us, if God be with us, what can stand against us? So I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your struggle, God is in control. God's promises never fail. They never quit. They never give up. God is always faithful. And most importantly, God is with you.
You see, Joseph's commitment and faith in God was not dependent on his circumstances. Question for you and I is can the same be said of us? See, Joseph's situation and circumstances didn't change his attitude towards God. Has yours? See, do we trust God and serve God only when times are good? Only when things go the way we want? Only when things are, are the way we like it? Only when things are right for us? Let me ask you this. What would it take for you to quit? What would it take for you to quit reading your Bible? What would it take for you to quit praying? What would it take for you to quit coming to church? What would it take for you to quit living for Jesus? What would it take for you to give up? Now, before you jump in with the Sunday school answer, you look at your life and ask yourself. If we had to be honest, some of us have. Some of us have. Because, see, our faith reached a point that we couldn't go anymore, and our circumstances overwhelmed it. We gave up morning I'm calling you to get back chasing your to let your faith overwhelm your circumstances to let your faith overwhelm your situation it's been said that you can tell the size of a Christian's faith by what it takes to stop them what would it do to make you quit let me just ask you this here's an easier question what if this had been you in this story instead of Joseph? Would the story still be just as long, or maybe this would be the end of the story? Would you have walked away, gotten angry and bitter, decided you were going to take care of it? How would the story be different? Have you given up? Has your faith failed you? Have you forgotten the promises of God? Let me ask you this. I heard a pastor ask one time, is your holiness dependent on your health? Is your joy dependent on your job? Is your praise dependent on your prosperity? More importantly, is your faith and commitment to God conditioned? Because you see, a faith that can't be lived out in the prison will never make it to the palace. Some of you are chasing your dreams and you're wondering why they've stalled. Not because God's abandoned you, it's because you abandoned God. Not because God stopped believing in you, it's because you stopped believing in Him. It's because you stopped placing your faith in Him. It's because you stopped believing the promises that He planted in your heart. So let me ask you this morning, what stopped you? And what's it going to take to get you going? Are you willing to recognize what it was that got you off track? Maybe you did get angry and bitter. Maybe you did decide to take it into your own hands. Maybe you did decide you were going to stand up because God wasn't doing it quick enough and God wasn't doing it the right way. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't even know what tomorrow might hold for you, but I promise you this. God is always faithful. God's promises are always true, and you will never be left alone if you trust Him. I love what our buddy Job said. His friends came to find him. His wife had been killed. All of his children had been killed. His sons-in-law, his grandchildren had been killed. He lost everything that he had, the largest farm. And he is sitting on a pile of ash in mourning. And one of his wives comes to him and says, Why don't you just curse God and die? Man, it's, it's 
it's just a mess. And, and the devil's probably whispered that in some of your ears. Why don't you just give up? What has living for Jesus got you? Why don't you give up? Job looks at his wife. Says, though he slay me, though I might die, still I will. Job said, whatever the circumstance may be, will not stop my belief that God is faithful. He loves me. That his promises never. Let's pray.